This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, when the alternator fails, the battery is supposed to be good for 30 minutes. But when it quits after only 18, how do you get the gear down? Find out in Imagination or Insight, Alternator Failure at Night by Tom Hammock and James Rush Manley. My 1995 Piper Saratoga climbed in crisp spring air from Rialto, California. Turbocharged and with only three on board, we quickly reached cruising altitude and headed direct to Concord. The perfect day promised a perfect flight, except for the vague inkling that something wasn't right. For the last few weeks, my mechanic and I had been investigating occasional glitches such as the alternator spontaneously dropping off and coming back online. But the engine had fewer than 80 hours since rebuild, along with new accessories. So after another scan showed everything in the green, I pushed unease down by calling it imagination. We reached Concord in time and conducted the day's business. By 7 o'clock that evening, we departed from Concord for the return trip to Rialto. As the runway threshold passed beneath us, I raised the gear. Suddenly, the alternator dropped offline, but immediately came back, just as it had before. The ammeter dipped and then displayed the slight charge normal for this phase of flight. Panel lights shone, radios functioned, the engine, even muted by my headset, sounded content, and the gauges looked normal. So I continued the climb. In a few minutes, we leveled off at 13,500 feet. But I wondered aloud, what is going on? By 9 p.m., a full moon drenched the mountains beneath us, and the Los Angeles basin glowed ahead. Even 20 minutes out, I knew from experience which part of the light show contained the Inland Empire and Rialto. I felt privileged to enjoy one of those special nights that makes the work and expense worth it. Then the alternator dropped offline again. I waited for a restart, but nothing happened. The ammeter showed deep discharge. The lights and radio flickered and dimmed. When it didn't pop back online, I checked the circuit breaker and found it still in. Next, I cycled the switch several times. Nothing. 
I immediately turned off everything not needed. So, I wondered, 20 minutes back to Bakersfield, 20 minutes ahead to Rialto. Fox Field on my left is a little closer. Should I divert? That would inconvenience my passengers, mess up tomorrow's schedule, complicate fixing the problem, and cost a lot more. Besides, this wasn't an emergency. The airplane, except for the alternator, was flying nicely. I had full control. Neither clouds, nor precipitation, nor wind presented complications. I had plenty of fuel, and I could see miles past my destination. The battery should last for another 30 minutes, but I'd be there in less than 20. I chose to continue. Eighteen minutes later, I maneuvered to enter the pattern. About six miles north, I put the gear lever into the down position. The mains extended and their green lights lit, but I didn't feel the nose gear come out and its light remained dark. Then the few things still on flickered once, dimmed, and quit as the battery died. I shut everything off, put my headband flashlight on, and opened the pilot's operating handbook to the emergency checklists. The essence of the emergency nose gear extension procedure was to slow down to 90 knots and then pitch up and down until it fell into place. I tried, but nothing changed. Again, no change. Once more, nothing. Then I thought maybe the gear is already down, but the indicator isn't working. I flicked the master on and off. The main gear lights glowed feebly, but the nose gear light remained dark. I pulled out my handheld radio and contacted the tower at Ontario International Airport, then flew 11 miles southwest for a visual report. After a couple of flybys, the tower controller said, the doors are partially open, but the gear itself is not down. I stayed in the pattern for another 30 minutes, trying abrupt pitch changes, but without success. The gear remained firmly in place. Then the tower asked if I wanted to do an emergency landing there. I preferred to deal with the problem at Rialto, where I could get it fixed. So I thanked the controller and asked him to contact and brief the sheriff's flight operation at Rialto. In the Rialto pattern again, a brilliant moon still lit the ground below, but it wasn't enough to illuminate the airspeed indicator. My headband flashlight with a red light option revealed everything I looked at and left my hands free. My front seat passenger shone another red light onto the panel and relayed information to the back seat passenger who was, understandably, not enjoying his first small airplane ride as much as I'd hoped. I contacted the sheriff's dispatcher and asked him to turn on the runway lights since my handheld didn't have enough power to activate the system. I set up for a soft field landing. In ground effect, I pulled the mixture and bumped the prop around until one of the three blades pointed straight up. Then the mains touched, and I lowered the nose as gently as I could. The airplane slid only 50 feet more and stopped on the center line. I'd already unlatched the door and briefed the passengers. After a moment's scramble, we all stood on the runway, gazing at the fuselage, chin on the ground, tail absurdly high. A quick walk around revealed damage only to the two ground-off prop blades. I walked to my parked truck, 
drove it onto the runway, and backed up to the Saratoga's tail. Then I hooked a cable to the tie-down ring and towed the airplane to the ramp in front of my hangar. The next morning, my mechanic and I lowered and secured the tail. I turned on the master switch, the nose gear dropped and locked into place, and we rolled the airplane into the hangar. The alternator had obviously failed, but two surprises jumped out of our subsequent investigation. First, the nose gear did not freefall into place because the battery voltage was too low to activate a solenoid that forces the nose gear down and forward against the slipstream. Second, the engine teardown revealed that while there was no damage from a sudden stoppage, the camshaft surfaces had worn more than three-eighths of an inch in just 80 hours. My mechanic estimated the engine was only five hours from a complete failure. At 80 hours, I was past the break-in oil change, but still 20 hours from the next oil analysis that would have revealed metal. So, the nose gear failure included a serendipitous blessing. In retrospect, carrying and maintaining a spare radio, GPS, flashlights, and extra batteries were worth the effort and expense. And three hours of fuel on board granted me time to think and plan. Common knowledge said a battery should last 30 minutes. Mine lasted only 18. The emergency gear extension procedures didn't mention that you still need power to activate that solenoid. So if the alternator ever failed again in that or similar airplane, I'd lower the gear immediately. And I probably should have landed at the closest suitable field rather than pressing on to home base. Most importantly, from now on, I'll pursue persistent premonitions all the way to definite conclusions, even if that means replacing an alternator that hasn't failed yet. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely.